Well, let's turn to the book of Exodus. If you've got your Bibles there. Exodus chapter 32. Let me just read a few of the verses to get the context here. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, and he's gone up to receive the Ten Commandments, the law, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods that we shall, shall go before us. As for this Moses man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives and of your sons and of your daughters and bring them unto me. And all the people broke off their earrings, or golden earrings, which were in their ears, and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand, and fashioned it with an engraving tool, and after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These are thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. <laughs> and when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is the feast to the Lord. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings and the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go get thee down for thy people, thy people Moses, whom thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. And they have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. <clears throat> they have made molten calf, a molten calf, and have worshipped it, and have sacrificed thereto, and said, These are thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may burn or wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, and I'll make of thee a great nation. Well, there's a lot in those few verses and the rest of the chapter. And uh, we won't be finishing the whole chapter today. There's, there's too much in the entire chapter, unless you let me preach for an hour and a half. We won't do that. So, <clears throat> getting ourselves into where the context. This is, remember Moses, born... 1654 BC, Exodus 2, 1-10. Moses kills the Egyptian 40 years later as he becomes the son of an Egyptian, Pharaoh, in 1614, in Exodus 2, 11-15. And then he flees. And uh, <clears throat> he goes out there to Midian and there marries a wife and has a father-in-law called Jethro. At the end of that 40 years, so it's 40 years from when he's born to when he flees Egypt, from when he flees Egypt to the, the occasion of the burning bush, it's another 40 years. We're about to 1574 BC, Exodus chapter 3. <clears throat> and in around 1574, this is when Israel leaves Egypt. So 40 years, 40 years, in the next 40 years, it's going to be in the wilderness. So there's, it's easy to remember, three lots of 40 and this exodus began with the Passover, the last of the plagues where the firstborn in Egypt would die if the blood had not been applied. 
And that was on the 15th day of the first month <coughs> that the Passover was celebrated and then they left that next day under the orders of Pharaoh, out, get out of here. Because <laughs> many in Egypt died that day. And then they came to the dead, the Red Sea, not the Dead Sea, the Red Sea on the 17th day of the first month. So it took them two days to get from Egypt to the Red Sea, Exodus 14 and verse 2. And they complained. Here's Egypt behind them, surrounded by mountains, can't get escape, and they're going to slaughter us. And they said to Moses, you brought us out here for the Egyptians to slay us in the wilderness. And they started complaining. So all these complaints were going through. No different to Christians today that are saved, newly saved, and then start grizzling and whinging and complaining. And then you have, they go through the Red Sea on that third day after being out of Egypt. And they go three days from the Red Sea. And so they're five to six days after the Passover, after leaving Egypt. They come to water and they're very thirsty. And, they, and the water was bitter, Mara, the waters of Mara. And they started whinging and complaining again. And God told Moses to cast in a branch and the waters were healed. And then <clears throat> they started complaining about the food. And God sent manna in Exodus 16. And uh, this is around 30 days after they're out of Egypt, according to verse 15, verse 1 and 15. You find that they're in Exodus. And God sent manna from heaven. And <clears throat> then, as we've been looking at the last two weeks, they, they, <laughs> there was water again, a problem with water, and the, and the Lord told Moses to smite the rock. And we've covered that the last two weeks. They complained about dying in this wilderness. Lord, well, God, Moses, you brought us out to die in this wilderness. And now we come to the occasion where we are. We're about 45 to 50 days out of Egypt. Remember that, only 45, one and a half months, they're out of Egypt. And we have these stiff-necked idolatries, idolaters that God has called them there in verse 9 of Exodus 32. So they're only 50, around 50 days, they've left Egypt and they're wanting to go back. And they're wanting and they're bringing those gods that they had in Egypt and what they saw in Egypt. You see, if we get involved with the world, it will influence us. Whether we know it or not, it does influence us. We have to be very careful. And Second uh, Corinthians 6 and 7 talk about that separation. You know, what hath Christ to do with Belial? What hath he that believeth to do with an infidel? And what hath light to do with darkness? Come out from among them. I think chapter 7 verse 1. And be ye separate, saith the Lord. <clears throat> and so we look now at our outline for today. About these stiff-necked idolatrous, these ones that departed from the Lord, very similar to what we read in Galatians. Paul said to the Galatians, "I marvel that you're so soon removed from Him that called you out of darkness into His marvelous light." He said, "I can't believe that you have gone back to it." And Moses couldn't believe that these people had gone back to the old ways of Egypt. Well, <clears throat> there in Exodus 32 and verse 1, which we read, we, see, we have the argument of the people to Aaron. 
Moses is up in the mountain. Aaron's with the people. And we see the argument of the people in verse 1. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods, which, little g, gods, which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. Not long. Fifty days or so, soon, soon removed, they had seen miracle after miracle. They had witnessed the mighty hand of God working through Moses in the plagues, the plagues, the ten plagues upon Egypt. They had seen the Red Sea depart for them and they walked across on dry land. And it, takes a, it usually takes a quite a while for dirt that's wet, even sand, to dry, but they walked walked across dry shod through the Red Sea. They saw the walls of the water. <clears throat> they witnessed that miracle. <clears throat> They'd witnessed the destruction of Pharaoh's army. They'd witnessed water from the rock. They had witnessed every day manna from heaven. And I believe the water kept flowing from the rock too. So miracle after miracle after miracle, much more than what we've seen. Remember what the Lord said to those in um, his day, he said, you've seen and believe. Blessed are they that don't, haven't seen and won't see, but believe by faith. That's us. We believe by faith these things. These people had miracle after miracle, as in the Lord's day, and didn't believe. <laughs> Praise God for you faithful people that do believe, even though you haven't seen, you've read the word and by faith believed. Luke twelve forty seven and 48 tells us unto whomsoever much is given of him shall much be required those people who have had the privilege privilege to see the miracles to experience firsthand acts of god have a greater and awesome responsibility upon their heads and those in galatia probably some of them had been in jerusalem they may have been down there and witnessed the Lord Jesus Christ and the miracles. Maybe they'd seen the Apostle Paul and the miracles that he had done. He healed people. He spoke in tongues more than they all, he said. In Luke chapter 10 and verse 12, it says there, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for those who have witnessed the hand of God working and the miracles of God happening and turn away from the truth. It'll be more tolerable on judgment day for those from Sodom and Gomorrah that were destroyed there by the hand of God than it will be for those who have so much evidence but don't believe. And folk today, I think we're beginning to see the hand of God and the miracle of God working in this world as he gathers nations together, as he brings Israel back into the land. And prophecies are being fulfilled. We are beginning to see things happen that uh, we can say there. It's in the word of God. It's happened. And, and when it starts again, and I think we'll be out of here before then, the world will witness many things. But you know what? Multitudes upon multitudes, billions of people still will not believe. Things haven't changed. Whether you're a Jewish person related to Abraham or whether you're a Gentile not related to Abraham, 
It seems that people's hearts are hardened. They do not want to believe in God. They want to believe the devil and his cohorts and demons. Well, these people and their methods remind me of the church of Laodicea in the book of Revelation chapter 3, the last about seven verses of Revelation chapter 3. It's mob rule. Mob rule. Does that sound familiar today? I think they're even trying to have... um, We'll try to have a, a march this week this weekend. Um, <clears throat> mob rule. The voice of the people. The voice of the people. And the word Laodicea means, in some of its meaning, the voice of the people. The Laodicean church. The last church before the Lord comes. You hear the leader saying, what do we want? This is what happened here in Exodus chapter 32 verse 1. The people saw that Moses was delayed and they, they said, come on, Aaron. And Aaron said, what do you want? Well, we want. <laughs> and today we hear, we want women preachers. Let's deny the word of God. Let's disobey the word of God and install them. How, should, how can she be the husband of one wife? Oh, well, <laughs> that is possible today. But it's not right. What do we want? Well, Aaron, we want to do it this way. We want to get rid of Moses. He's gone anyway. We want you to be our leader. We want a golden calf. We want a God of Egypt. We want. What do you hear the chant today in churches? We want shorter sermons. We want entertainment. Buzz us up. Get us excited. We want our ears to be tickled. We don't want you to preach on sin. That hurts and makes us uncomfortable. Or so it should. So that you, in your discomfort, seek to be forgiven of the Lord. We want to be accepting of immoral standards right within the church. Don't rebuke those that have sinned. I remember a long, long time ago, decades ago, where I was wanting to bring a young couple that had sinned and I said, confess it to before the church because people know it's gone on. And I was in all sorts of strife with yeah, the leadership, some of the leadership in the church. You can't do that. That's embarrassing. But they needed to confess before the Lord. And they needed because it become a public thing to do it. Uh, we don't accept those immoral standards. <clears throat> we want, what do we want? We want music in the church that gets us all wound up. So that we can go, go out with all our emotions moved. Instead of our will. Listening to the word of God and saying Thus saith the Lord, it is true. We want tangible worship, something that we can touch. We want images in the church. Some churches have images all over the place. And we ought not to have that. We want a user-friendly church. A user-friendly. You know, everything you buy is user-friendly. I don't think computers are. (laughs) They're getting more difficult to operate. But anyway, they, they're trying. I like the phone you can talk to and, 
instead of having to type into it. That, that's user-friendly. That's getting real good. But we want a user-friendly church. Instead of the church preaching the word of God and the Bible as God has given it, they go to their own thoughts and their own ways. And instead of saying we preach against sin, we preach people need to repent and get saved, we want a church that people can come to and feel comfortable. What we need to do, and this is happening and has happened, let's go out in the community and do a survey to see what they would like in a church. Now here you are, unsaved people are being asked what they would like in a church and what would get them to church. And then the people are writing this down and go back and the leadership sort it all out and say, okay, let's change everything to do what they want to get them into church. That's a user-friendly church. It's called a market-driven church. You've heard of Rick Warren. I haven't heard of him much lately, but 40 Days of Purpose. Someone said they heard on that, on that his testimony and there was none. That's what they said. A purpose-driven church. We want this. We, is it any different today than it was in Aaron's day, in Moses' day? These people just newly born again, as it were, out of Egypt, and they want to go back to the old ways. Want to seek the Lord in, on their terms and not God's terms. We want, what do we want? We want a morning service only. Hey, it's getting to that way. We've been forced into some of these things. But we'll keep the evening going and the, and the Bible, midweek Bible study too. And the youth ministry. So keep going. <laughs> now, <clears throat> we don't want to sacrificially serve. It's hard. It is hard and getting harder and harder to get people to serve in church. What do we want? Well, we want to just have it all given to us on a plate and served up. That somebody has to do the work. <clears throat> yes, these things are true today as they were in Aaron's day. Only 50 days into the journey of their Christian life. So there's the argument of the people. What do we want, Aaron? Well, Aaron, we want to have gods just like it was down in Egypt. And uh, <clears throat> who's, what's become of Moses? Then we see the agreement of the priest. Oh, Aaron, what got into you? He's the one that was sent out and to be the mouthpiece of Moses because Moses said, I can't talk, I'm not gifted at talking. And so God was upset with Moses because he refused to do it. So he said, Aaron, <clears throat> God's will was that Moses did it, not Aaron. And here comes big problem number one already. The agreement of the priest in verses 2 to 3 or 2 to 5. And Aaron said, Unto them, then break off the golden earrings, which in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters. <laughs> it didn't say the men. Don't know if they did or didn't. Hey, this got rid of all the earrings all of a sudden, didn't it? It turned to a golden calf and then uh, ground up and, and they were made to drink it. But anyway, <clears throat> the agreement of the priest. Let's turn to the book of Jeremiah. <clears throat> and here Aaron agrees with what they say, you know, pull out, get off your earrings, and the people broke them off, in verse 3, brought them to Aaron, and he received them in the hand and fashioned it with an engraving tool, a graving tool, and he had <coughs> made it molten calf, and they said, these are our gods. These are their gods. 
the agreement of the priest. Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 31 reads, well, verse 30, a wonderful or an appalling and horrible thing is committed in Israel or here in Jeremiah in the land. This is, this is just before, around the time they're getting dragged out of the land by opposing forces, by Assyria and by Babylonians. <clears throat> and a horrible thing is committed in the land. This is the end of the Israel possessing their land and they've never possessed it until 1984 from this time. The prophets prophesy, prophesy falsely and the priests bear rule by their own means and the people love to have it so. And what shall you do in the end of it all? What can we do? Because the whole thing is corrupt from the head to the toe. The prophets, the priests and the people, it says in that verse, have corrupted themselves. <clears throat> What's happening back there right in the beginning of the nation of Israel? <laughs> the same thing was happening. The prophets, the priests, we're looking at mainly, and the people loved to have it so. They demanded it to be so. In Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 10, we read, To whom shall I speak and give warning, that they may hear? Behold, their ear is uncircumcised, they cannot hearken. Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them a reproach, and they have no delight in it. Exactly. People do not delight to hear the word of God anymore. It's become a reproach to them. If you go down to verse 13 of Jeremiah chapter 6 and to verse 16, we read at verse 13, For from the least of them, from the least of them to the greatest of them, everyone is given to covetousness. And from the prophet, there's a bottom up and top down, <clears throat> from the prophet even to the priest, <clears throat> excuse me, everyone dealeth falsely. And folks, that is what's becoming of the church. It's so corrupted from the bottom up, the people's demands, what do we want? From the, the prophet down, well, there's no prophets in the church today, but from the preachers and down. And verse 14, they have, they have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. The church... Christendom today, put it that way, better. Christendom today, saying, peace, peace, it's all well, brother. It's all going to work out in the end. And they're not warning them to, the people to flee from the wrath to come that's going to fall on this world shortly. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. They didn't even go red when their sin was named. Therefore they shall fall at they shall fall among them that fall. And the time that I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk in it and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we shall not walk in it. Where are the people that are asking for the old ways? Where are the people that want the preaching of the word and the services and the, and the hymns instead of the chants they have with the words repeated over and over again? 
Where are the people? Praise God, there are a few people that love these ways. The old paths. But here in Israel there was none. Find someone in Jerusalem, it was said at this time in Jeremiah, whereby they are walking in the way of the Lord, and they found none. So the agreement of the priest and the prophets and the leadership and the people, they all want to go in the wrong direction. Paul warned of this in Acts 20 in the early part of the church. People had just come out of heathendom from the Gentiles. Even of your own selves shall men arise speaking for perverse things and draw away disciples after themselves. You read it, Acts 20, 28 through to 30. There's three sources of falling away of apostasy. Apostasy, apostates are not believers, but they pretend to be so when they stay in the church, most of them. There's false teachers from without the church, and these are found in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 13. There we read, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing that his ministers also be transformed. And so there's those false teachers that come from without <clears throat> and influence that try to influence the church. They're probably the most easy to rebuff, but they're everywhere. They're in multitudes today. There are false teachers from within the church, from the very inside of the church. In Second Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, but there were false prophets among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them, and shall bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness they shall, shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now for a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. And so they will come in from outside, in among you, and they'll try to influence. So there's those from without. There's those that from within work to rot the church out. In Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 8, it reads there, Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so did these resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate, apostate, reprobate according concerning the faith. They have a form of godliness, but deny the power of it. Some from such turn away. So they're from without, they're from within, and this is what's happening today in the church. And there are not only false teachers from without, false teachers from within, but there are ambitious people who want to take over the leadership from within the church as well. In First John, in First John chapter 2, we have this written, chapter 2 of First John and verse 18 and 19. Little children, it is the last time, as ye have heard, and Antichrist shall come. Even now there are many Antichrists, by which we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out, that they might be made manifest that they, are, they were not all of us. Yes, ambitious leaders within the church. They were in... And they went out and they dragged people out with them. And folks, 
I've seen it over and over and over again where people come within and they pretend to be the, the real thing and you listen to them and you can only listen to them and what they say. They know enough Bible to, to deceive. And after a few years, the honeymoon's over and then they started griping and complaining and then they drag people and then they talk to people and they whisper in people's ears and, pss, pss, and they only tell half the truth. They tell the story to make them look good. And people that are unlearned and people that are naive give ear to them. And they take them out with them. They take them out with them. Psst, psst, have you heard? You know, when you hear, psst, psst, sounds like a serpent to me. Watch out. In Third John, John, the apostle that had been through all he had been through, that had was the closest to the heartbeat of the Lord Jesus. Well, the Lord was alive. And, and even Peter had to say, what did the Lord say? Because, you know, John had the Lord's ear. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, ask, ask, ask him, John. And, and all the things that John went through, the pastoring, leading, an apostle. Listen to what this fellow had done that come within the church. This false apostle, this, the, the agreement of the priests with the people, like Aaron agreed with the people, it says in... Third John, verse 9 and 10. Likewise I wrote unto you, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, received us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he hath done, prating against us with malicious words, and not content with that, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. If, if you're for John, you're out of here. You're for John, you're out of here. And this he started putting people out of the church. He wouldn't let John come near the church. I heard of an old Baptist Union preacher that we had here some... It was back in 1999, I think, we had him here. And he was so sad. He's since passed on. His wife had passed before he came here. And we had him ministering here. And he was so sad that he could go back to his church and if the pastor wasn't present because he was preaching somewhere else... And this man, this elderly man, was the, the, a pastor. He'd been a pastor, but they wouldn't ask him to preach because he preached on a subject that the church didn't like or subjects and was conservative in his, his stance. And it was so sad, and they would cast him out of the church and not let him have word in the church that had so much wisdom from age and ministry time. Well, <clears throat> here in, we continue in verse 10. Wherefore, I will, when I come, he's in, in, he's in trouble. This man Diotrephes, John said, Neither doth he himself receive the brethren, forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Don't follow them. God desires good shepherds. God desires those that lead to lead right. Aaron, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're just listening to the people and their designs. Aaron had a lot of growing to do. In John chapter 10, we read about the good shepherd. And let's follow the good shepherd. We verily are so unto you. He that entereth not by the door of the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. Don't, don't go after the spiritual thieves and robbers that come amongst us, that try to influence us from without, and that try to lead people away. But he that entereth in by the door is... The shepherd of the, the Lord Jesus, <laughs> through the word of God, 
to him the porter, porter, porter openeth. And the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his sheep by his name, and leadeth them out. It's wonderful to have folks in the church, the sheep of the church, that love to hear the truth, that love to have it preached. Praise God for those people that are few and far between, but they're faithful, and they still like to have it preached. A stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of the stranger. They can pick up, because they're biblically minded, the error that's in some person's way and they will not follow but we have the good shepherd who said i am the door of the sheep if you feel that you're being deceived where you're attending or where you're listening in study the scriptures follow the good shepherd he is the door of the sheep come in by him in ezekiel 34 and with this we close earlier than I'd thought I thought we'd cover a few more points but here in Ezekiel 34 the word of the Lord came into me saying son of man prophesy against the shepherds of Israel prophesy against those like Aaron who led the people astray who let them sway him and say unto them thus saith the Lord God of unto the shepherds woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves should not the shepherds feed the flock? Ye eat, and the fat, ye eat the fat and ye clothe yourselves with wool. Ye kill those that are fed, but ye feed not the flock. And folk, there are people today in leadership in churches that are they're making themselves fat cats. They're, they're making merchandise of the people of God. They're taking from the people. They're flying their private jets. They're teller evangelists. And they made millions, multiple millions of people. And made a mock of the word of God. They're not shepherds at all. They're false shepherds. Their people come in like a diatrophies into the midst. And they scattered the sheep, it says in verse 5. Read the rest of it. Therefore, ye shepherds, verse 7, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, saith the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey and my flock became meat to every beast of the field because they were there was no shepherd, neither did my sh shepherds search for the flock. But the shepherds did feed themselves and fed not my flock therefore O ye shepherds hear the word of the Lord I am against you I am against you God is against those people that lead his people in the wrong direction you know what the last word the last words of the Lord to Peter or well, some of the last words there's some more in Acts but in, in John chapter 21 three times the Lord said to Peter feed my sheep the Lord knew that Peter was going to become a leader in the church at Jerusalem, that he was an outspoken individual. And three times the Lord said, and Peter got annoyed, but he said, feed my little lambs, feed my middle sheep, and feed my older sheep. Feed them all. That's what the shepherd's job is to do, not to lead them astray and say, what do you want? Well, we want this. We want a golden calf. Oh, no. Follow the good shepherd. He is worth following. He is the, his ways are the way of truth. May we hear and heed the word of the Lord in this day of turmoil. As one man said to me who came to visit us this week, it's crazy. The world is crazy. The church, what is happening? Well, we know what is happening. Perilous times have come. Stay true to the word.
Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the blessing of it. And minister it to our hearts today. We've only covered a little, but Lord, we need to cover it because these things are happening. These things are happening. We have falsehood everywhere. We have people, so-called shepherds of the flock, going astray, asking unsaved people how church should run and not going to the Bible and asking God how it should run. Lord, forgive them. Turn their hearts. Convict them of this sin. And may, Lord, you raise up sheep, more sheep, that love to hear the word, love to have it preached, and uh, encourage those that keep on preaching the good old ways and the old paths. Bless and minister the word. And if there's one listening who is unsaved, may they turn to you by faith, believing in the Lord Jesus and have their hearts cleansed from sin, made righteous and made a child of God, a son of God, for all eternity. Bless them with salvation as they confess with their mouth and believe in their heart on the Lord Jesus Christ. Bless us as we part and bring us again this evening to hear your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.